Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord and come to worship. And I pray that we glean something from the Lord today. Good to see everybody. and uh, Who all come to worship the Lord today? Amen. Hallelujah. So, morning, brother. How are you? <laughs> Praise the Lord. My brother Billy Joe, it's good to see you, brother. <laughs> ever, ever, ever service he comes up and tells me it, 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 he's glad that he got to see him today, and I always tell him that uh, make, makes my day. So I'm I'm glad he made my day today, and it's good to see everybody else as well. But um, so today we're going to continue the series Kingdom Living. I think this is probably the fourth um, lesson in the Kingdom Living series, and brother. Cordova did a, an able job and fine job last week talking about the dis- disciplines of a disciple. And, and, and Brother Chris, I, I did tell you, and I'm so glad that you uh, uh, talked about your dad and brought, brought that out last week. That touched me so much, and, and it just, um, I really enjoyed that. Um, I, I know it was painful to live through and probably painful to tell and express but uh, um, it really, really touched me that God moves and God works out things in your life like that and in our lives like that. And we'll talk about that again, again today. So our, our scripture text today is found in Matthew chapter 6. And if Brother Wesley can help, six and, uh, we, I'm going to read it from the message translation version. We're going to start at verse 25 and go through uh, verse 33, but I, I like the, the illustration of the message version, so I'm going to read it today, and y'all can read along with me on the screen, because unless you have an app on your phone like me, you probably don't have the message version, uh, probably don't carry around a message version Bible, which you might, but if you don't, you can just read along on the screen, and we're going to start at verse number 25. And it says, if you decide for living for God, decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtime or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. Well, I wish the teenagers was in here, right? I'm sure they're getting some good stuff this morning in their class, so. so don't fuss about what's on the table and don't fuss about the clothes in your closet. Actually, we, we, us adults and, and my wife, too, could probably hear this. <laughs> but she's taking care of the little ones this morning, so um, some of y'all have to kind of tell her later. <laughs> I'm sure she probably is, or she will be later. But uh, don't fuss about her clothes in, or in, that are in fashion. There is far more t- to you, to your life, than the food you put in your stomach. More to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you 
and you count far more to, to him than the birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of a mirror ever gotten taller? No, because I would have probably gotten taller when I was younger, and I'd have probably gotten some more hair as I'm older. <laughs> Has anybody gotten taller by fussing in front of a mirror? No. <laughs> Let's see. Um, by, by so much as an inch, all this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much of a difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The ten best-dressed men, and the King James Version says Solomon in all his glory, and women in the county look shabby alongside them. Talking about the flowers. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and know how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all, our, all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to God, to what God is doing right now, and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when, they, when the time comes. So how many did that minister to? Kind of, that was Jesus kind of scolding his disciples in our everyday language that we, that we speak about things that concern us as well. And, and how ironic it is is that Jesus was having to get on to disciples over 2,000 years ago about stuff that we deal with in our here and now. In this generation, we're, so pre, we're still preoccupied with clothing and we're still preoccupied with food. I was telling somebody the other day that it seems like America's pastime now has become going out to eat or shopping, going and getting clothes. That's the two main things that if you ask anybody, well, what you doing this week? Oh, we're going somewhere to get something to eat. And the older I get, it seems like, I guess because I'm less athletic now, that seems to be the things that I look to do when we start looking for vacations. Well, where can we go eat? <laughs> or what kind, of, what kind of outlet malls are around the area? How many of you ladies and gentlemen know what I'm talking about? When you start looking for vacation, you start looking for those things. But I think God is trying to tell us today that we need to get more kingdom-minded and, and, and let those worries and cares to the, go to the back burner instead. In our lesson connection today, it tells of a young woman that was set, weep, set, setting, weep, sat weeping as she rocked in a chair near a roaring fire or, or of a fireplace. A concerned family member was alarmed at her emotional distress and questioned her at what was troubling her. The woman ex explained, I was just sitting here thinking about what if I were married and had a baby. And the, and the ladies, the family member said, yes, go on. There's certainly a reason to, to cry about that thought. Or certainly no reason to cry about that thought. Sorry, misread that. 
The weeping woman continued, but what if I was sitting here rocking my baby near the fireplace and lost my grip? My baby fell into the roaring fireplace. She continued to cry between the words. That would be terrible, explained her relative. What a terrible thought. Yes, the woman continued, I cannot bear to think about it. Yet, it is all I think about. She broke out into an uncomfortable sobs once again. But dear, the loved one exclaimed, you have no child. You're not married. You're not engaged to be married. Well, you're not even dating anyone right now. Why would you, you be so troubled over such a thought? I don't know, she sobbed. I just can't help myself, the young woman continued. Something in the human psyche causes people to struggle with fear, anxiety, and worry. Some people deal with extreme concern about their clothes, about all kinds of things in their life. But I think, and we're going to deal with this today, about worries and troubles and, ha and an anecdote for worry. But she was worrying about something that was never, never going to happen. And how often sometimes we do the same thing, just as ridiculous as that is, is some of our worries that we're worrying way on down the road about something that will more than likely never happen. And we spend so much time, and it, it affects us so much. But we live in a world of worry. seems like this generation is a worried, just a stressed out. I, I mean, we were talking about it at work the other day, uh, my supervisor and another guy, we were, we were in our cubicles, and my supervisor, she has four daughters. Of course, that, that probably would, would worry and keep you worried. But, but she was expressing how that her, her four daughters, every one of them deals with anxiety. She said, and, and we were talking like, we don't remember dealing with that much anxiety when we were teenagers. Of course, I know the world was a different place and different things going on, but it seemed like, and I, I told him, I, I feel like that probably the social media and stuff like that has, has caused them to be hyper-stressed, hyper-worried, because things happen, they, they happened back then, it's just you didn't know about it in two seconds after it happened because somebody posted it all over social media, so they're hyper-aware and hyper-stressed out, so, um, so we're living in a a worry generation or a, a world full of worry. Merriam-Webster, in his exquisite book called The Dictionary, defines worry as mental distress or agitation resulting for, from concern, usually from something impending or anticipated. Anxiety is an instance or occurrence of such distress or agitation. Life has a way of presenting obstacles or challenges that create mental distress, agitation, or frustrations. How we deal with these challenges determines our level of mental anxiety. We cannot altogether eliminate the sources of worry, but we can take control and responsibility of the mental state and choose to pursue God in all things. Like we, you know, some things we just can't control. We can, but we, but we can address kind of how we react to what comes at us. And hopefully there's something in this lesson today that will kind of help us, tool us, and give us a weapon against worry, a weapon against anxiety in this 
And, and I know some people physiologically um, are more anxious than others. People um, has different stressors, different points, and just through their emotional and mental makeup. But God can help us with that. God, God, God can give us, uh, and he gives us some things that we can do that, that gives us a blueprint to help with that. There's the worries of the inner life. Our internal fears and concerns, they stem from our experiences, often beyond our own choices. And control, for, for instance, we do not choose our family. We do not choose our, our family that we're born into. We do not sometimes we don't choose our economic state of that family. Where we were raised, our emotional conditions surrounding our childhood and our upbringing. Those are things that we can't control. Just like Brother Chris ex expressed his story last week of not knowing his father until he got, got older. He had no control over that as a child. And it affected him emotionally, I believe. I believe it brought him some inner worries and some inner struggles all his life. And I'm thankful that God has, has worked that situation for him. But we, we often experience inner turmoil that grows out of those conditions. Uh, some individuals grow up with insecurities, fear, and worry. That, that, they're, that, they're even, that they won't have enough to eat because of the childhood that they didn't have a lot when they grew up. They, they fear they won't even get a meal. All kind of fears and things. And, you know, and, and, but some people are just kind of born pessimistic or optimistic. And I think of a little humorous story that um, y'all may have heard it before. I think I've told it a long time ago about, about the little boy. Um, there was two little boys, and these scientists were studying natural optimism and pessimism. One little boy was just a pessimist, and the other one was an optimist. <clears throat> They put the little pessimistic kid in a room full of toys, brand new, top of the line, fresh, and told him, said, hey, just have fun, play with anything you want to. Then they took the other little boy that was a natural optimist, put him in a little, little uh, uh, room or full of horse manure, or a stable full of horse manure. Well, as they was watching these two little boys, they, they noticed that the one that had all the toys was just sitting quietly in the chair, hands folded, not even touching the toy. So they went into him and they said, hey, you can play with these all you want. And the kid's like, no, I might break them. They said, it don't matter. We'll get you another one. He's like, no. He kind of played with it a little bit and they left and he discontinued playing with it. Well, they went in there where that other little boy was and that horse manure and he was just slinging it to the top of the top of the rafters up there just just playing in it just diving in it slinging it and he says son what are you doing he says sir with this much manure there's got to be a pony in here somewhere so I want to be like the latter <laughs> you know it's sometimes in life it's kind of like and he's enjoying himself looking for a pony you know, so so if I look crazy, I might be just looking for the pony in the situation, <laughs> rather than looking for the. I might break a toy. I might do something wrong. I might mess up. And God don't want us like the pessimistic kid. He wants us like the other little kid, looking for the good in every situation. 
It may not always be there, but you can look for it. And, and notice the countenance different. You know, at the end of the day, I'm sure that other little boy was tired, stressed out, the one that, you know, because, and he didn't play. He didn't have no fun the whole day. But what would that other little boy, would do, he could have done with that room full of toys. But it didn't matter. He left. He was dirty from head to toe, I'm sure. But he had himself a good time. <laughs> and it didn't affect him at all. So if you find yourself down in the dumps, Look around for something to make out of it or something to play with it. And that reminds me of my childhood. We were kind of raised poor, and there was an old garbage dump that they used to dump. Everybody dump their trash and clean out their garages and clean out off their land and throw it down in this gully, we called it. I built a lot of bicycles out of that gully. We'd go down there, and somebody throw an old bicycle frame away. We were dirt full poor, as they say. We were poor. And we'd go down there and we'd dig, dig out them bicycle frames. And then we would go and take, pick up Coke bottles and cans on the side of the road and take them to the store and get deposits. How I many has ever done that? And get us a few coins and we'd go to Otasco and get us a tube or Western Auto and get us a tube for that old bicycle. And we rode BMX bikes like the best of them. Now they, they look like they come from a junkyard. But we had a good time. But we, you know, we were, we would find ourselves, you know, in a bad situation. But we was looking for the best out of the bad situation. And you know what? I know, I know my parents felt bad later on that you know they couldn't like provide for for us as much and as well. And um, but we didn't miss anything, you know. We look at it, and I, I was in a conversation with, with Ashley and Garrett yesterday, and we was talking about <clears throat> things in this life and not growing up with the best. But Ashley said, you know what? I don't remember any of the, the all of the toys and stuff that I had in life. She said, but what I do remember is running in that backfield behind the house and and you know playing ball in the yard and things like that. So... A lot of those things that we spend all our stress and worry over a lot of times doesn't even really matter. But if you find yourself in that situation where you have these internal worries this morning, God has an answer for that. And it's kingdom, kingdom-mindedness, getting into the kingdom of God. Also, there's outer worries. And as, we grow, as I grow and older, and as we grow through the phases of life, our worries tend to change from inwardly sometimes to outwardly. As, such as in adulthood, we discover life brings new struggles that go beyond our childhood experiences. We have pressures and stresses that come out of our jobs, such as expectations and demands from supervisors or peers. We worry about social status, bills, inflation, Gas prices, those sort of things. The worries shift and change to kind of an outward thing. And those worries, sometimes we do have a control over some of that. Like our financial stuff sometimes is a result of maybe our education. It was a choice that I made maybe a long time ago that I didn't finish college, and it's affected my current situation. So sometimes we do outward pressures and outward worries sometimes we can affect that. I know 
Brother Edwin's going back to, to college to kind of to better himself. He's dealing with, with something now that's going to help him later on, kind of an, an outward pressure that he's coming against. And that's some things that we can do. <clears throat> but uh, we encounter as rigors and associated stress that stem from changing relationships even, family. And I know we can't choose our family and who we're, we're born, but we choose our friend and our relationships there. And we have outward pressure on relationships, even um, like caring for elderly. You know, the older I, I get, and, and my mom passed away a few years ago, and when, you know, when she started getting down, I noticed my dad's worries became caring for her and, and those sort of things. So sometimes our, the older we get, family worries and troubles and things like that but that, that we have to take care of and we have to kind of manage and there's no one size fits all template for managing and eliminating these stresses and concerns that they bring we just faithfully ride the waves of life's circumstance and never lose hope that life in Christ what life in Christ affords us. That kingdom life is the answer to dealing with all the stresses. Just, just riding those, those waves in the boat of the church and with some, a support system. It involves deciding not to allow the pressures of life to control us, even when we cannot control the external and internal sources from which they flow. This is easier said than done, but God... But by God's help, we can change it. So we need to make a declaration that I will not let worry control my life. I will not let my circumstances control my life. We kind of need to adopt the attitude of that little boy. You know, I'm in a rough situation, and it may not have what I want, but I'm, I'm going to have a positive attitude, and I'm going to keep digging until I find it. <clears throat> Ultimately, ultimately, life is what we make it. We can live a peaceful life filled with love and joy, or we can live a life of unbearable turbulence and torment. I mean, same, the, same, the same situation can produce different results depending on how, how we come at it or how we approach it or how we let it affect us. Um, and I know there's times in life that you just can't help it. You're just overwhelmed with something. But I, I think that's that's why we need to be kingdom minded, and we need to we need to have God's principles in our life. We must choose to take responsibility and control of our lives through the exertion of positive actions that counter the stress and worry. Certainly, there are natural things we can do to help manage the pressures and stresses and worries. We can eat healthy. Uh oh, my my wife just recently. Started saying that she's starting us on keto. Well, she come in and she didn't buy me any more little Debbie cakes. She come bringing in these keto snacks. I told her, I said, uh, you might be going keto, but I think I'm going to go Cheeto diet. <laughs> but I'm trying. I'm trying a little bit because <laughs> it creates me some stresses. <laughs> if I don't <laughs> go on board with her, then uh, I might have some stresses coming from her. <laughs> Because I hate to leave her out there trying alone and me eating a little Debbie over there. Say, you're doing good, honey. Keep it up. I don't think that will work too well. So I'm going to try to help her out a little bit. 
but I might be more Cheeto than Keto. I might have me a big bucket of Cheetos. <laughs> but anyway, but there's some things in our life that we can do physically and naturally, our own self, like go back and get an education or just some self-help things like that. And I know that don't fix all of our everything, but sometimes we can help the Lord help us. If we find stresses in our life, we, we might need to adjust our schedule just a little bit. Um, and, and a two-little wor word sometimes can fix some things. No. Like my wife one time had, had a, a lady that would didn't respect her time and would always call her on the phone and just on and on and on and on and on and negative and this and that. And my, my wife's like, I don't want to be mean. I said, well, there's a, there, there's, there's a one little button on that phone that'll fix it all. It's called a hang up. Just, just end, end that call fixes a lot. But I know she didn't want to be mean or rude or something like that. But two-letter word fixes a lot sometimes. No. Just no. And, and, but uh, so sometimes we need... We need a yes in, on a lot of things. Say yes to the Lord and no to some other stuff. But, but a schedule. Sometimes just fix, fixing our schedule. And, 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 uh, and I've, I've tried to help some of the stresses in my life because I'm the older I get, I, I'm kind of forgetful. And um, when Brother Dewey Craft was alive, he said, so you are too, you are too young uh, to, be ha to, to not be remembering like that. I told him, I said, well, I don't think it's the making the model of the, the vehicle. It's how it's been driven and where it's went. <laughs> so I've wore, wore mine out down some old dirt roads in, in life. And uh, my mind ain't too good because of the, where I've been and what it's been through. But, <laughs> but anyway, so to help my stressors in life, because I forget stuff. And my wife would say, well, I told you that. And I never would remember. I try to put it on a, a calendar. It's helped me a bunch on a calendar and plan out. Still, sometimes I forget to put it on the calendar, but but anyway, and then that creates stress. But sometimes it helps. But we're 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 talking about some things to help eliminate worry. But the cure for worry, we're going to talk about that. All things have natural benefits and will aid us in. In, in managing the stresses in life. However, nothing compares with the importance of nurturing our spiritual health. Nurturing our spiritual health involves our connection to the kingdom of God. It is the only effective cure for worry. It's nurturing spiritually. We can handle some of these physical and these outward issues with a spiritual attack, with a spiritual means getting involved and letting, letting the Lord. Sometimes the Lord can do in five seconds what it takes us five years to try to correct. <clears throat> so the premise of the, of the kingdom of God, and that's what we're talking about, the kingdom of God this morning. In Matthew's gospel, and I read the message version, Jesus implores us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. He referred to many of the needs we all have, such as food, drink, and clothing. And when I was studying for this, I always go up and, and read above it and below it to kind of get, 
get what what the what what the actual whole scripture is talking about. And he was it was a sermon on the mount. And and Jesus was was saying things like because when it said uh, all these things shall be had what things? And it basically what I read into it is basic needs because it talked about food and clothing. So your basic needs. It doesn't mean you're going to necessarily get a big bank account. You're going to get a big retirement fund or things like that by seeking first the kingdom of God. But God is good to his children. But he's going to supply your every need. Those things he's, he's going to take care of. But seeking him first, putting, putting a priority on it. But basically... And the reason I read that message version is because it puts it kind of in our language and kind of what what the I believe the Lord was saying. You know, hey, don't worry about all this stuff that you're worried about. Just seek, be kingdom minded, and I'll take care of all that. I'll take care of those things. Now I do know it, it does say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So. There's two things that we need to be seeking. I don't mean go out here and quit your job because I believe the kingdom of God. I believe he, he, it says it in his word. It says, don't work, you don't eat. In his kingdom, that's his kingdom. Not, maybe not in our, our society, but in God's society, in his realm, you work to, to, to eat. But well, he was, what he was telling was don't worry about doing all this yourself. Do it my way and it'll work out. And um, and his righteousness. In other words, I've seen people that tried to live unrighteously and hold on to the, the, the promises of God. In God's kingdom, it don't work that way. Right. Oh, you know, he'll supply my every need according to his riches and glory. But I think we got to be seeking his kingdom, seeking his righteousness. And, and there, there's some things we got to do, and then there's some things we let him do. And but that'll that'll help you in your life when you have a resolve to say, "Hey, he's the king, he's the ruler, it's his kingdom," and I'm seeking what his desire is for my life because he knows way more than I do. Then it'll help me take care of those stressors. And sometimes in our life, if you feel like you're just in turmoil, and and, and you you know. You're trying to fight this and do this on your own. Maybe you need to just back up a minute and say, okay, what's the Lord telling me to do? Not what what's this pressure telling me to do, but what's the Lord telling me to do? Because I may be swimming against the stream of his blessing. I may be out of place for him to, to, to take care of those things for me. I'm not seeking him. I'm not. And it, but it, there's a calm resolve in knowing that you're not the boss sometimes. I used to be in uh, a manager and worked right straight for the vice president of a com company, and that was a lot of stress, and I was caught in between. And I like what I'm doing now, not being, and I th know the Bible talks about not being many masters, not being the supervisor, because there's a resolve. It's like, hey, okay, that's, you need to go see the manager about that. I know we need to be responsible and things like that, but what I'm talking about, if, we, if we're seeking his kingdom and we let him be the king, 
and we quit trying to be the Lord of our life and the King of our life and seeking after all these other things and we start seeking after what's God want? What's God want for this service today? That takes a lot of pressure off. Just like teaching this morning, you can tell I'm nervous and and I know you other guys that don't teach a whole lot, you get nervous and stuff too, but it takes a lot of pressure off when I say, okay, God, I'm just going to let you do... I'm going to let you have it. It's your service, how it comes out. I'm going to prepare, and I'm going to do some things, and I'm going to be ready. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to stutter, and I'm going to say some things wrong and, and not be able to have see out of my glasses and things like that. But, Lord, it takes a lot of pressure off. I'm going to say, Lord, it's your service, what you want to be done today. I may not make those good points that I wrote down and want to make, but if, if your will, if I, if I seek that, that takes a lot of pressure off. And same goes to everybody out here. You might be struggling with something today, and you're like, how am I going to fix it? Maybe you don't need to fix it. Maybe you need to just back up and say, Lord, how are you going to help me with this situation? Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Maybe I don't even need to worry about that. Maybe, maybe you got somebody over here that the devil's trying to distract me, distract me with my situation that I can't help them. I can't help pray them through the altar because I'm worried about something else over here. Something I, that somebody may have said to me before service or didn't say to me. And I'm so worried about that and I'm so stressed about that. And what, how am I going to fix that? God is, is touching somebody in the altar. So church, I implore us that if we'll seek his kingdom first, that other stuff's going to take care of itself. You might be worried about where you're going to eat after church. You might not have any money. You might not, you know, things might not be looking good, not, might not. You might be having bill problems or something. How am I going to fix If today you just quit worrying about that and worry about what God has for us in this service, what he's going to do in this house and seek what he, he desires, then those things just take care of itself. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus was giving his disciples an approach to life wherein we don't have to worry about the basic needs of life. But through a divine relationship, God will supply all our needs. Neither the birds nor the flowers worry. I've never, I've never met a worry bird. Heard of worry warts, but I never worried. Met a, I never walked up and the bird just be sitting there, just worried about everything going on in its life. Oh, I have to eat worms <laughs> to stay alive. And and the flowers, you know. Amen. Amen. But yeah, so God takes care of those things. We can live in a spiritual relationship with our divine creator and find relief from all the effects of worry. There is a priority to the promise of the kingdom of God. And I was looking looking up kingdom and I looked up the Greek word for kingdom because I was like, okay, what what do they mean by kingdom? Seeking first the kingdom of God. What do they mean by kingdom? And the Greek Greek word was basileia. It means royalty. It means rule or it means realm. So we need to seek God's royalty in our life that he's the royal one, he's the one in authority. We need to seek his rule in our life that you know that, that we're operating in the principles of his kingdom.
because he's the ruler, he's the king. But we also need to get in his realm. We can seek his realm. And spiritually in the Lord, there's different realms sometimes. But if we can get in the realm, and it starts entering into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, we get into his realm. We get into his yard. We get into his house. And then we get into the holy of holies. But seeking him first, seeking that spiritual level with him, that, that spiritual relationship with him, and we get out of our earthly realm of trying to worry and do things on our own. <clears throat> Jesus promised that our basic needs would be supplied if we seek the kingdom and his righteousness. Jesus was, a point, was pointing out a new approach. It was like I read a, read a commentary on this in, about the book of Matthew, and, and it was talking about the kingdomship of Jesus. It's what the book of Matthew, kind of theme of the book of Matthew was. And it, it talked about that, um, that um, he, he, was, he was a king, but the, the Sermon on the Mount was a king's proclamation. He was setting his kingdom in order, talking to his disciples. And, and that's where this particular verse falls. It's as he's instructing on them, them how to live, how to be, and that they're blessed, that he, he spells out that his kingdom, seek his kingdom, that he was in charge, and, and all these other things would... Um, would would uh, take take place, and, and he would take care of us. How many people go from cradle to grave without ever really knowing God or his will of, for their lives? They will know about him, but they never really know him. You know the story, but do you know the author? I, I preached a, a sermon years ago about... Um, about my uh, grandfather. He was in World War II, and he never really expressed his experiences when he was in the war. Um, he never liked to talk about it much, very few occasions. But later on, after he had died, and as I got older, I desired to have his story. I knew him, but I really didn't know his story. And I come across, to make a long story longer, I mean, long story shorter, as I found that, that his unit was having reunions since about five years after the war, and they did it every two years. And the way I found that is I was desiring my granddad's story, and there was one guy that was in the same unit as my granddad, and my aunt knew him, and I was going to go see him, see him and talk to him about his stories. And he passed away. But in his obituary... He referenced Mr. Bird L. Lewis that had written a book to his grandchildren. And through the wonderful world of the Internet, I was able to look him up and find an address and contacted him. He sent me his book. So I got my granddad's story. But beyond that, I went down and visited the reunion. I found out that it's having every two years. 
And I met several of the guys that was still left. They've all passed on now. Every one of them, there may be one left. But I not only met him, got his book, formed a relationship with him. And I used to call him every Veterans Day and every, every one of your military holidays and stuff and talk to him for, it was about five years before he passed that I would call and talk to him. And I went to two, two reunions that he was at. And then later on, I connected up with another lady that her husband was in the same unit, and he wrote, she began to compile all the stories of the men, several stories. So I've got several books. So, but in that, I knew the author and I knew the story. See, and a lot of times we, we know the story of God, but do we know the author? Do we really know him? It's one thing to know his story, but it's another thing to know him. But priorities of the kingdom of God, the relationship, I'm talking about seeking him first and getting to know him. And because when you know him, he takes care of, care of you. But we, some people live their whole life and they never really know the Lord. They can quote this book front to back. And I've met a lot of people over my life, truck drivers, you name it, that would know the word better than me, could quote the word better than me, but you could tell they didn't have a relationship with him. They didn't really know him. They didn't really communicate with him on a daily basis. And we don't have to know everything. You may be new in this thing, and, and you're worried and you're stressed about, well, I don't know I don't know all about this. I don't know about this Pentecost stuff. I don't know about all these scriptures and stuff. You don't have to know everything as long as you know him. He'll take care of all the rest. And I'm thankful for that this morning, that I not only just know about him, but I know him. And I encourage you, get to know him better. Get to know him. And, and as, the, as you learn him, you're seeking his kingdom. You're learning more about his kingdom. He takes care. He takes care of his children. He's not an abusive father. He looks out for us. Some people even offer up routine prayers for what they desire for life. They talk to God, but they don't allow God to talk back to them. So listening is an important aspect of prayer, and, and, and I try to try to do that. When I pray, I don't just talk to the Lord. I, I have a time, I sit there and I let the Lord talk to me some. Because there's sometimes that I need him to talk back. I open up his word, let him talk to me. Through the preached word of this pulpit, let him talk to me. That's, that's how you form a relationship. You just, don't just talk to him and tell him all our wants and all our needs and all our everything. Because he knows what we have need of before we even ask it. But he said to ask, to seek, and to knock. And, and I'm slowly running out of time. We have a couple more minutes. But during, in, in, the, um, in this chapter, in chapter 6, it, it, it gives the, the, he gives an example on how to pray. He, um, and a lot of people repeat the prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Well, that's good. That's good for us, for kids to learn. But it's 
to me, it's more a pattern than it is actual repeating the words. There's a, there, there, there's a way to approach the Lord. He, Jesus wasn't telling them to pray these words. He was saying pray like this. He, he, he was saying, you know, here, here's the way you do it. Here's the, here's the method. Here's the pattern. The pattern. And if you start with, pray, with praise, P, praise, our Father which art in heaven, Lord, I praise you today. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Second is repent. Forgive us this day as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation. That's repenting. Next is ask. Then we, a lot of times we get this wrong. We ask God, we step in prayer with first name, Lord, touch my need. And Jesus didn't explain like He said, hey, praise me first. Repent second. Ask me next. You know, and then we get into a realm. We get into those realms of the kingdom of the Lord, of the realms of the Lord, and we ask him our needs, and he'll meet those needs. And then lastly, we yield to him. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this earth as it is. And that's yielding. That's saying, let's just yield it up. And today, don't repeat just the words, but get a pattern to your prayer. Study that, and, and that might be some homework for you to do. You can dig down in there and get, get the pattern. But uh, it has come time for me to close. So.